بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من سيئات اعمالنا من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا فمن يهدي الله فهو المهتد ومن يضلله فلن تجد له وليا مرشدا أحمدك ربي وأستغفرك وأستعين بك لا إله إلا أنت ونصلي ونسلم ونبارك على محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه ونتبعه بإحسان إلى يوم الدين We start in the name of Allah the most gracious, the most merciful expressing our gratitude to Allah for the only gift that we know of of this earth, the gift of life, the gift of existence, and reminding ourselves of the inevitability of our expiring and meeting our Lord. We begin from the Lord and we end with the Lord. And we renew our vow towards our Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, and upon his progeny and family and his companions, and all those who followed in his footstep in truth until the hereafter. The Prophet would often repeat a dua Allahumma arzuqni hubbak wa hubba man yuhubbuk wa hubba amalin yuqarribni min hubbak the Prophet would often repeat the dua, Allah, grant me your love and the love of those who you love and the love of every deed that brings me closer to your love. Like so many other dua, that if we internalize and if we truly reflect upon it becomes transformative in our lives to actually covet the love of your Lord to see it as the ultimate objective in everything to be beloved and to share in this love and to exist in this love and that the entire vision of your existence and the trajectory of your being would be all about that love 
Because if you love, if that is your objective, if the objective is the love of God, the love of your Lord, you can only love the things that are beloved to God intuitively, innately. When you truly are in a state of honesty and veracity with the self and truthfulness with the self, you know, you know what type of things, deeds, principles, morals within you, you know what brings you closer Allah, what makes you an object worthy of God's love, and what doesn't. But more than that, there is a huge gulf and a huge gap between those who exist in the intoxications of love and those who simply desire to slide by, squeeze by, whose ultimate hope is that they barely do enough so that they avoid punishment or earn a reward. There's a huge difference in attitude when you say, my goal is nothing short than to become beloved and to exist in a loving relationship with God. And those who say, my goal is simply to perform enough deeds so that I am not punished by God or that ultimately I am rewarded by God. The biggest difference is what shapes your heart and your psychology and your state of consciousness. What things move you? What things bring you to tear? What things fill the gaps in your time? The way that you understand your own existence and the way that you understand your ultimate demise But there's something else. Those who persist in the dua of love, Allah bestow upon me, grant me, gift me with your love, and the love of those you love, and the love of every deed that brings your love. Those who exist in that type of state, The very way that they think of what is good and what is bad, the very way that they assess the meaning of their lives, it is no longer acceptable simply to feel 
nothing, or to feel little, or to perform obligations so that the obligations are simply satisfied, but rather there is passion. A passion, a sweetness, a type of perfume of existence that you long for and you covet. Where you search for the fulfillment of that longing in every act that defines your relationship with God. Most of us Muslims, at one point or another in our existence, we learn that dua, we might read it, we might encounter it. But if your prophet, the prophet Muhammad If a man of that status, if a prophet of God, would not pass a single prayer without repeating that dua, that doesn't underscore the centrality of a dua like this in our lives. It is difficult to imagine what would. I believe that this is the difference between those who Islam becomes for them a moral universe, the very foundation of meaning in existence, and those who deal with Islam basically as an inherited identity that they simply took as a package with everything else they inherited from their parents and their, like their genes. Those who deal with Islam like a genetic code, it is simply the is. It is in existence and you cope with it. In other words, you shape your life in order to cope with the reality of what you inherited, very much like coping with your genetic makeup. It is just what you know, not what you truly desire and what you love. There is a huge difference between living with what you've inherited and you see as your natural boundaries and limitations and what you are have a passion for that goes beyond these boundaries and limitations. When you say, Allah, grant me your love, not limited to Allah Forgive me my sins, 
not limited to Allah grant me Jannah, not limited to Allah grant me your pleasure, but is well beyond that. You're saying, Allah, grant me a passion for you. Grant me a fluttering of the heart, a skip of a beat. Grant me that inner call that makes me not satisfied with anything I react with or deal with in existence unless it enables my passion for you. So that even your job, your school, your relationships, whatever you do, you're always seeing, you always see everything, whether it embraces that longing for the divine, for the passion of God, or whether it simply sustains you and allows you to perform whatever you hope will define salvation with God at the end. There is another big difference. When you pray for love and you persist in the prayer for love, Allah answers your call. Allah tells us that he is closer out to us than our jugular vein. But here's the thing. When you feel that love, you know or you acknowledge in your, the, your, the depth of your soul knows when your beloved is present. Those who don't do the dua of love, don't repeat the dua of love, and don't seek the path of love, will often never feel the presence of their Lord. They see Allah perhaps like a watcher. When they think of Allah, they think that Allah sees us. That's if they have Iman and they truly believe that Allah sees all. But Allah becomes sort of like a spy cam. Allah becomes like a spy cam, as if a spy observing their actions. And the most that they wish to do is, well, you know, maybe I shouldn't do something wrong because Allah can see me, sort of like, exactly, like sort of a, a watcher, an observer. But they don't feel the intoxications and the elevations of the presence of the Lord. That's an entirely different thing. You don't simply feel Allah as a watcher, but you feel Allah as a companion. And that's the difference is between, to use our American slang, the bummer of Allah always seeing you and trying to avoid messing up. And sometimes it is a bummer. 
that as opposed to the passion of saying, Alhamdulillah, I actually feel your presence at this moment, in this time. The love of Allah, as I've said before, is already there, ready to receive whoever accepts it, whoever wants it. It is not that you are asking Allah to love you as if you are asking Allah to take note of you. Allah's love already is there, it's present, it proceeds. It is the primordial state. Allah's love is what sustains the heavens and the earth. It is the, the Higgins particle that holds together creation. Without it, mass would cease to be mass. Without it, things would lose their mass. The trees would evaporate, the mountains would become like an ahnim and fush, and the Quran describes it like, like wool, uh, woven wool, wool that's puffed up and dissipated. The birds would no longer be held suspended in the sky the entire thing, the entire creation would be folded up like a book. What holds everything together, the Higgins particle, the Higgs particle of existence is Allah's love. That is what allows mass to be mass. But your prayer is for you to acknowledge and reciprocate that love. And you cannot have what you do not pray for. As children, we grow up from utter dependence in the womb of our mothers. When we are born, we are plagued as infants and as children with a gripping narcissism. We want shelter, we want nourishment, we want care, and we want love. The challenge as we grow up is to bit by bit shed ourselves of, an, our, of our narcissism. And the enlightenment is to realize that our freedoms end when the freedoms of others begin. In other words, to learn the mizan of existence. That we human beings balance each other. That all of us have equal rights. And that all of us have equal souls. And that all of us have equal dignities. That's the challenge of growth. 
those who remain with shaitan never get rid of their narcissism. They grow up, existence begins and ends with them. And they never develop healthy attachments to society or to others. But the lovers in the path of Allah want something beyond that. They want that innate sense of passion that when they are born, they might direct towards their mother, or normally, most of their developmentally you know, healthy, they'll direct towards their mothers. They wanted to direct it to the true mother of existence. No, for Muslims, that's like not accustomed to say mother of existence, but the mother and father of existence. To say, we've migrated, we've done the hijra of life, the hijra from the narcissism of infancy to the enlightenment of knowing that from all along, from the get-go, you were the beginning and the end. Lord, we know that because of our longing for love, we have done a lot of things that were sometimes ill-advised, sometimes misdirected, and sometimes outright disastrous. Because of our longing for love, we started out by loving ourselves. Because of our longing for love, we started out thinking that our parents are the center of existence. That as we grew up, because of our longing for love, we've loved the wrong woman or the wrong man. Because of our longing for love, we've done a lot of things that were not right. We might have even violated the rules that, that guide the way we honor your loan to us, this body that we have, meaning sexual relations outside of marriage or whatever. Because of our, that, that, because we are hungry and thirsty for this love, but the ultimate state of maturity, if you actually go migrate, complete your migration to the ultimate pasture of Allah, you realize that Lord, from the very beginning, it was you and only you. From the time we were born, when we cried for our mothers, we were really crying for you. In the time that we might have attended in America a party and broke your laws by doing things we shouldn't have done, we were really longing for you. In the time we went out with someone or did inappropriate things, we were really longing for you. 
That is the path of love. You realize that it was always, from the beginning, Allah and nothing but Allah. Allah's love is what sustains and holds you, especially in moments when you truly wonder the way about the ways that human beings have defiled Allah's gift of love. Allah has given us this existence this wondrous earth, this wondrous universe, with all the fascinating illuminations that light up the skies and that simply stun us with its magnanimity and beauty. And Allah gave us a simple charge on this earth. The charge on this earth that لا تفسدوا ولا تهلكوا الحرث والنسل Don't corrupt the earth. Well, how do we corrupt the earth? By destroying Allah's creation. In a, the, the, the least you can do as human beings is don't destroy the gift. I've given you a gift. And that is why Allah describes the act of arrogantly thinking that You've inherited the earth to do with it as you will by destroying and killing and plundering and amassing wealth and acting as if as you're uh, as tall as the mountains, meaning your ego is out of control in the Quranic metaphor. As an act of ta'ud and ta'ud can be simply translated as oppression and despotism. You sit and you raise your hand praying your to Allah for that passion of love. And then the earth interferes, the, the affairs of this world come in and as if they invade your space and tell you that in the city 
where the Prophet was born and grew up in the holiest of holies, another 37 people were just put to death. Among them, a kid that most of them, their crime is the Shia, and they dared. They dared raise their voice to say, we want a more just existence. You turn another way, and in Sri Lanka, some Muslims have blown themselves up and killed hundreds of people. And in Yemen, the slaughter continues. And in Libya, colonial powers are backing up another CIA agent to try to take over the country and oppose another military dictatorship. And in Syria, the slaughter continues unabounded. And in Egypt, another pharaoh is planting himself on the throne of government and telling people, I am your God, obey me. The dream is that at a minimum, at a minimum, all of us as Muslims, we have a right in the land of the Prophet We have a right to want that land to honor us and represent us and embody the values of Allah's love, not the pillaging and plundering and despotism and injustice of the demonic on this earth. We have a right. Regardless of what colonial powers say, regardless of what imperialism says, regardless of what arrogant, myopic nationalism says, we have a right to be honored by the city of the Prophet, by the cities of the Prophet and his family and his companions. We have a right in our Jerusalem. We have a right in our Haramain. And you turn to Allah and say, Allah, this is your earth, this is your land, this is your creation. I don't know what I, as a human being, can do. But allow me, Allah, allow me not to become distracted by all the suffering and injustice and to feel the sweetness, the elevations, the perfume of your love. So I am not distracted by the ugliness of injustice and being deceived into thinking that you have given up on existence. If you are a seeker in the path of love, 
at that moment, you feel Allah's presence consoling you and telling you what you see as a lifetime, I see but a nanosecond in existence. What you see as a story of tragedy and suffering, I see as a future of promises. Those who are with me, I am with them. Those who do not know that to love me is to establish justice and to embody my love in the concept of a rububiyyah, to embody my love on this earth, can pillage and plunder and commit injustice and murder and believe that that somehow brings them closer to me. But those who seek the path of love know better. They know that it is impossible for Allah's love to be approached through murder and mayhem and injustice and despotism and suffering. It's impossible. It is impossible. Pray for Allah's love. Pray that Allah grants you the sweetness of love. That you feel that passion in your existence. That you feel that sweetness. That you feel Allah's presence that surrounds you and embraces you all the time and every moment and every time. Allahumma lana wa anna وارحمنا يا رب العالمين واهدنا لأقرب من هذا رشدا وارزقنا حبك وحب من يحبك وحب أي عمل يقربنا لحبك وانصر الإسلام وأعز المسلمين إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والباهي لعنكم لعلكم تذكرون وأقل الصلاة